the idea of a software supply chain is, you know, you have some type of company that, that wants to put out a product that is a digital product. And so in some way, they either have to hire on their own developers and in-house develop this piece of software as in write the code and then test the code and then deploy the code so that it is actually up and running somewhere on a, a server somewhere or on a machine somewhere. And then from that point on, continue to develop and patch and update and fix problems in that code. So that's one way that you might have a software supply, I guess, like link in that if you do everything in-house. Well, when we talk about most modern companies, software supply chain is, it's almost more like interwoven branches in that a lot of companies, unless they are explicitly software companies, don't control most or even part of their own software supply chain. So say you want to have a web app, um, you know, maybe something that you use for watching Attack on Titan on Crunchyroll, but that is also like downloading all of your personal information and selling it to an advertiser yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Or TikTok. Right. Right. Yeah, or TikTok, right? And so the idea is like, you know, you want to develop that app, but there, there's little components to that app like that have already been developed by someone somewhere. There's going to be, you know, a module for Android phones that already does the networking bit and a module that already plays the video. And so these all fit into like the software supply chain, which is the idea that somebody somewhere else wrote a piece of this code or a, or a small program, and this fits into your overall program. And so in the case of SolarWinds, you know, there's some accusation that SolarWinds outsourced large parts of its development and code to a bunch of other countries, some of them maybe in Eastern Europe, and that that might've been the original access point. So another piece of the software supply chain, you know, that was the, that was the complicated bit where, you know, I haven't even like scratched the surface of how this all works. But the simple part of it is, is that companies that develop software, they have certain ways of verifying that that software is non-malicious. Um, one of the ways we do this is through cryptography and what we call code signing certificates. And cryptography is like, it's kind of that boogeyman topic in um, cybersecurity or in computers period in that it's incredibly complicated and mathematical, but it makes everything else run. So in essence, the entire software supply chain, as it were, if we are outsourcing pieces of software or writing pieces of software and then uploading them to our systems involves verifying that that software is, it, that we wrote it that it is what we wrote and it won't do anything malicious. And a lot of this is done through signing that software and you know, using cryptography in some fashion to say only the people that we wanted to be working on it did work on it. So in the case of SolarWinds and Orion, what it looks like is that somehow the attacker managed to get into an organization that supplies software to SolarWinds and they were able to edit the code, putting in their own malicious software and then it went through the normal pipeline of software control. And nobody ever was the wiser because the, cer the certificate was valid. It was signed. And it said, hey, this comes from SolarWind. It's good. Everybody signed off on it. Right. So it's sort of like counterfeiting money or something like that. Or being able to fabricate a cryptocurrency for a wallet, right? So that everybody's just like, oh, yeah, like this is part of the coin collection. Like you can sell or trade that or whatever. And nobody's the wiser that it's fraudulent. 